It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Martin McNeil? Martin McNeil was born on February 1, 1956. He was raised in Utah and was a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which I will refer to as LDS. In 1973, when he was just 17, he joined the military, but he was discharged for mental health reasons two years later. Martin met a beauty queen and model named Michelle at an LDS function. The couple married in February of 1978. In June of that same year, Martin was sentenced to jail for fraud, theft, and forgery. He was there for six months. This would be one of many warning signs for Michelle. Martin falsified university transcripts to gain entry to a medical school in California. He earned a degree in osteopathic medicine and found a job practicing psychiatry. In addition, he falsified an application to law school, but he never became a practicing attorney. By 2005, the McNeil family lived in Pleasant Grove, Utah. They had four minor daughters, three adult children, and they adopted one of their grandchildren. In addition to his full-time job as a physician, Martin consulted for a clinic that performed hair removal. He had an affair with a woman who worked there. Michelle caught him in this affair. Martin broke up with his lover and promised Michelle that he would not do it again. Not long after this, he started searching online for another romantic partner. He met a woman named Gypsy Willis, who was about 20 years younger than him. They started having an affair in November of 2005. Gypsy Willis was in relationships with other married men as well. Martin was only able to hide this affair until March of 2007, when Michelle read his phone records and figured out what he was doing. She confronted Martin, but he said that she was being ridiculous. Not long after this confrontation, Martin gave Michelle a present. It was a facelift surgery. He said that it would help their marriage. After the facelift, he said they would go on a two-week cruise. Essentially, Martin looked at his wife after he had an affair and said, what you need is a new face. Under these circumstances, many partners would have been tempted to give Martin a punching facilitated facelift of his own, but Michelle believed him. She wanted to save her marriage and was threatened by the infidelity. She thought the facelift would make her look more attractive and therefore prevent Martin from cheating. Michelle and Martin attended a consultation with a plastic surgeon who would later say that Martin was more vocal than Michelle. Despite having some concerns about the surgery, Michelle scheduled it. The couple then went to Michelle's primary care physician who thought that it would be better to control her blood pressure before having the surgery. Martin was not happy with that suggestion. Despite the warning, Michelle continued with her plan 
have the surgery. Later, she had second thoughts and tried to postpone it, but Martin became angry and said, if you don't have the surgery now, you're not getting it. Two days before the surgery, Martin made four requests regarding the medication that Michelle was to be prescribed by the surgeon. One, Michelle was to receive Percocet. Two, he wanted Lortab in liquid form. This drug is similar to Vicodin. Three, he wanted more of the anti-nausea drug for Nergen than usual. And four, he requested Valium. The surgeon complied with Martin's requests, even though this deviated from the surgeon's typical protocol. On April 3, 2007, Martin drove his wife to the surgical facility. When Michelle woke up from the surgery, she requested to stay the night at the hospital. Martin became angry and demanded that Michelle go home. The surgeon intervened and allowed Michelle to spend the night. The next day, April 4, Michelle returned home and her adult daughter Alexis cared for her. Martin interfered with this and kicked Alexis out of the bedroom where his wife was. He said he was taking over his wife's care for the evening. The next morning, Alexis entered the room and noticed that Michelle appeared to be sedated. Martin explained that he must have given her too much medication. Later that evening, Michelle complained that Martin kept giving her all kinds of medication, even though she did not want any more. On April 6, Michelle confronted Martin about text messages and phone calls he had with Gypsy Willis. By April 10, Michelle was feeling better. She was walking around and caring for herself. She was only taking small amounts of medication. Now moving to the timeline of the crime. We go to April 11, 2007. Martin went to work, his daughters went to school, and Michelle continued to recover at home. Martin picked up his youngest daughter from kindergarten at 11.30 a.m. When he and his daughter arrived home, Martin walked into the bathroom as his daughter followed him. They found Michelle all the way down in the bathtub, underwater, and not moving. Martin sent his daughter to a neighbor's house to get help, as he called 911. He gave the dispatcher the wrong address and hung up the phone. He called again and said, My wife has fallen in the bathtub. She is unconscious. She's underwater. He went on to say that he could not lift her, so he drained the water out of the bathtub. Martin again hung up the phone. The dispatcher called back and Martin told her that he had CPR in progress. He then hung up the phone again. Neighbors soon arrived and found Martin hunched over Michelle's face. Her body was face up with her head under the faucet, and her legs and feet were inside the tub. They noticed that when Martin was performing CPR, his mouth never touched Michelle's, and her chest was not rising and falling, as would be expected. Paramedics arrived and took over CPR, or more accurately, they started CPR. Martin started yelling so much that the police removed him for everyone's safety. Michelle was transported to a hospital where she was pronounced dead. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Something is creeping in. Don't follow it down. Let me introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. 
he was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. The type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now, you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy. And you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. She stole from my son, who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. The medical examiner said that she died from cardiovascular disease. The manner of death was ruled natural. As far as the authorities were concerned, the case was closed. Martin continued his relationship with Gypsy Willis and had her move into his home as the family nanny not long after his wife died. Two years later, family members asked investigators to re-examine Michelle's death. It just didn't sit right with them that Martin had this romantic relationship with Gypsy Willis. It seemed like he moved on very quickly. Investigators eventually determined that Michelle was murdered. They believed that Martin drowned her in the bathtub. As the investigation continued, Martin was arrested for identity theft. This was unrelated to his wife's death. He had used information from his adopted daughter to obtain false legal documents for his lover, Gypsy Willis. Apparently, she owed a lot of money to the IRS and wanted a new identity. They were both arrested and convicted. Martin was sentenced to four years in prison and was released in July of 2012. In August of 2012, Martin was charged with murder and obstruction of justice. The police said there is no evidence that ties Gypsy Willis to the murder. It appears as though Martin acted alone. Gypsy Willis was not involved. In November of 2013, Martin was found guilty of murder and obstruction of justice He was sentenced to 16 years to life in prison. About a month later, he was convicted for abuse of a sexual nature against Alexis. He received a concurrent sentence of 1 to 15 years for that offense. Martin never served his entire prison sentence. Rather, he brought an end to his own life on April 9, 2017. He used a natural gas line for a greenhouse heater to facilitate his death. Now moving to my analysis. Was Martin McNeil actually guilty of murder? Let's take a look at the evidence both for and against the idea that he was guilty, starting with the inculpatory factors. Martin had a history of committing crimes both before and after his wife's death. At various times, Martin threatened to harm himself and threatened to harm Michelle. He had at least two affairs. One affair was active at the time Michelle died. Martin demanded that Michelle have a facelift surgery despite warnings from a physician. Martin obtained additional medication that was unusual for the circumstances and appeared to be giving Michelle quite a bit of it. Martin was highly interested in directly supervising Michelle's recovery. Five days before Michelle died, she told Alexis, If anything happens to me, make sure it was not your dad. Around the same time that Martin surprised his wife with the facelift surgery gift, he behaved strangely in other ways. He started pretending to have health problems. He was using a cane to walk and wearing a surgical boot. He came up with a number of different stories that he told to various people. For example, he had cancer and was going to live less than a year. He had peripheral neuropathy in his toe and it would not get better. And he had a neurological problem similar to MS. During that same time, he remodeled his basement 
and didn't have any problem moving around. Michelle's daughter said that on the day their mother died, she appeared to be normal, her speech was not slurred, and she did not sound confused. Martin said that he was at work in the morning on the day his wife died, but the first time he was noticed in public was at 11 a.m. Martin received an award at work that same day. He told the event coordinator that he needed his photograph taken at the event. After the picture was taken, he approached the photographer and said, did you get me in that picture? The photographer assured Martin that he did, but Martin told him, maybe we better take a second one to make sure. Martin claimed that he found Michelle's body face down and slumped over the bathtub with her upper body inside the bathtub and her lower body outside the bathtub. He said that she must have slipped and hit her head in the bathtub. The problem with the story is that she didn't have any injuries consistent with a fall. Martin moved on very quickly after his wife died. When Alexis arrived at the house right after her mother died, she noticed that everything had been cleaned out of her mother's bedroom and bathroom. The hospital bed and the bathroom rug were gone, and there were no blankets or stuffed animals remaining. Martin communicated with Gypsy Willis on the day his wife died. He talked to her on the telephone twice, and they texted each other 30 times. Nine days later, he hired her as the family nanny and moved her into his home. Gypsy Willis never actually cared for the children. By the end of the summer of 2007, Martin McNeil and Gypsy Willis represented themselves as married. The couple also committed identity theft together. Five jailhouse informants testified against Martin. I don't consider this inculpatory because jailhouse informants are not credible, but the jury did. Now moving to the exculpatory factors. There are no witnesses to the murder and no video of it. Michelle was on a lot of medications. It is possible that she drowned by accident. That's about it for exculpatory factors. When considering the evidence in this case, do I think that Martin McNeil was guilty? Yes, I think he was guilty in reality and guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. I don't give any weight to the jailhouse informants, but even without them, it's fairly clear Martin was guilty. Now moving to my thoughts on a few items that stood out to me in this case. Item number one, Martin McNeil was a fraud for many years before the murder, but he managed to get away with it most of the time. He served a few months in jail, but outside of that, he had a lot of success as a criminal. He cheated his way into medical school and into law school. He was a respected member of the community. The police said that they didn't initially investigate Martin for the murder of his wife because he was both a physician and a lawyer. Martin had successfully used one offense, cheating to be accepted into schools, to get away with another, murder. Not long before he was arrested for homicide, the police came to believe that Martin had attempted to kill his mother and his brother years earlier. Item number two, Martin said that he had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and antisocial personality disorder. He collected veterans benefits for many years due to these diagnoses. He was described as arrogant, cold, entitled, condescending, and self-centered. To many people, his status as a physician explained this behavior. They gave him a pass because they figured those narcissistic and psychopathic traits were expected from a physician. Item number three, Martin could have easily escaped responsibility for the murder of his wife if he wasn't so obvious after the homicide. Like so many criminals, he simply could not outrun his personality. He made one mistake after the other that attracted attention. For example, talking about how life had been unfair to him when giving a speech at his wife's funeral, getting rid of all of his wife's possessions right away 
having his lover move into his home and committing identity theft with his lover. Item number four, Michelle McNeil desperately wanted to keep her marriage. She valued her relationship with her husband, the family they had raised together, and her status in the community. She found a reason to disregard the warning signs every time Martin did something wrong. After she caught him cheating for a second time, he managed to manipulate her into believing that she was the problem. He deceived her into believing that if she could just improve her appearance, he would love her again. They would be happy again. All their problems would go away. And that murder would definitely not happen. Although that last part was probably only implied. Michelle had once been a beauty queen. Physical appearances were something that she valued. Martin used her own insecurities and misplaced trust in him to kill her. Martin knew how to convince people to trust him. This trust facilitated his crimes and, for a while anyway, protected him from consequences. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there.